0: As the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown.
1: This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by betonline.ag and the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined by Sean Siegel, uh, one of the, the leading lights, one of the stars at rotoviz.com and one of the co-owners over there as well. Sean, today's show is going to be an exciting one, we teased it um, you know, on, on the show earlier this week, we're going to be looking at the MFL 10 of death, a league with a lot of industry experts. People just from uh, the, the who's who almost. So Sean's included, obviously. You have Mike Clay, Pat Thorne, Evan Silva, JJ Zacharyson, Rich Rebar, Mike Beers, who had on the show a couple of weeks back, Sigmund Bloom, uh, Rumford Johnny, good old buddy of mine, uh, and CD Carter Scott Barrett. It's just a, a who's who. It's a real uh, league if you want to see where players are landing where the ADP is going how those people are making those decisions Uh, it's a great league just to follow along and see how those picks are made and we'll be running through uh, a number of the rounds today we'll be looking at some of the players picked and some of our thoughts on the picks some of Sean's decision making on his picks so it's going to be a real fun one uh, to run through Sean before we get into that uh, how are you doing today?
2: Good. Looking forward to this. Obviously, this was a lot of fun a draft that I look forward to every year. Uh, Pat Thurman does a great job with gets the uh, winning money there to charity. Another uh, excellent thing I think that he has done as he's uh, developed this league. And, and certainly a lot of my favorite people, people that I enjoy reading and, and certainly getting to see what they do every year is a real treat for me and then it's a lot of fun to to go through look at some of the picks sort of see what my uh, strategy was how that worked in and then taking the roster construction explorer and going through looking at my team looking at some of their teams trying to find out what it tells us uh, is likely to happen now that we've seen the draft play out so it's a lot of fun to get those RotoViz tools in there really break down the draft and try and figure out how this 2020 season might progress
1: and speaking of those tools Sean, of course, this uh, we talk about the FFPC a lot. Uh, a number of the the tools on the website are specifically for the FFPC and as we mentioned on each show we do have the FFPC stat attack, the FFPC being the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry including dynasty baseball and of course the world famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league today, head on over to my That's my ffpc.com and of course as I've mentioned there lots of tools up on the website specifically for FFPC domination. Sean, you've been doing us the the courtesy of bringing us those FFPC stat attacks in every show. So let us know what today's FFPC stat attack is.
2: Yeah, so at the end of the show I'm going to be asking Column a couple of questions based on the top risers from the last couple of weeks. So one of the great things you can do, you pull up the FFPC dashboard, you can see your exposures, you can see the player ABP. You can also see the risers and fallers. From any given time period and you can look at the uh, the guys from the early rounds you can look at the guys from the late rounds you can look at just the last couple weeks you can look at the last several months and see really which players are jumping out and so yesterday i wrote an article looking at these top risers and tried to decide if they were buy holds or sells we're going to force Column to ask answer those questions at the end of the show, but right now I wanted to mention those big risers, and looking at the sort of higher value rounds here, we have Julian Edelman, a 12.7 pick rise in daily ADP over the last uh, two and a half weeks. We have Irv Smith, whom we talked about on the Tuesday show, a 9.6 pick rise, and Ronald Jones a 7.5 pick rise. Jones probably will factor into our discussion even before we get back to this. A little bit interesting to see him rising. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is falling to balance a little bit of that out, but to see Jones rise into a situation here where we have some uh, Devonte Freeman rhetoric or at least discussion relating to the Buccaneers is an interesting one. Uh, perhaps we'll find out if Column is buying or selling based on that at the end of the show but those are our ffpc stat attack numbers you can get in there and check out all of the adps and again as we mentioned on tuesday you can do that in best ball redraft dynasty whatever your preferred format is
1: absolutely and uh, without further ado let's jump straight in to the mfl 10 of death so the article itself covers all 20 rounds every pick from the top experts and what roth what the roster construction explorer has to say about them so what we'll do is we'll be kind of picking out certain rounds picking out certain players giving our thoughts on those um, and some of the tactics that sean has employed so sean i guess when we look at it the first round obviously is uh, where most people want to start what i'd probably say is in terms of the overall. Uh, maybe if you want to do it, the overall uh, scoring format. Just to to give the listeners a you know a behind the scenes off the the scoring standards, and then we'll we'll look through the picks after that.
2: Yeah, so this is just a your regular best ball format. A uh, little bit more emphasis on the wide receivers with that extra spot there. You know you've got to fill out your flex. So it really is a a race to win the flex that we talk about on the show fairly consistently you want to get that wide receiver position really well filled out but obviously you also want to get those high-end running backs we've talked on the show we had mike beers on definitely go check out uh the two big time best ball episodes with him that we did recently he's in this draft it'll be interesting to see what he's done and i think for these first couple of rounds there weren't a ton of surprises we had the big five go off the board to start that big five at running back. And then a few wide receivers start to trickle off. Ryan Forbes picked Michael Thomas at seven. I got Devontae Adams at nine. And then came back around, and I selected DeAndre Hopkins in the second round. Instead of picking Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, we talked with Mike a couple weeks ago on how that was a little bit controversial. Colum, I wanted to ask you, DeAndre Hopkins here – You look at him over his career, probably that second guy below Julio Jones, if we look at the group of wide receivers who have been in the NFL for a while now. Now Michael Thomas, I think, has jumped up to that number one spot. Hopkins may still be at number two, sliding ahead of Julio Jones. But definitely one of those top three guys. He's saying that he's going to increase his production this year, going to Arizona's air raid. I don't know that the overall community is necessarily buying that. There's going to be some competition there. He's got Larry Fitzgerald. He's got Christian Kirk. Uh, Some questions on if the offense works really well, will they end up actually emphasizing Kenyon Drake quite a bit? Do you like Hopkins to sort of bounce back to his biggest season numbers here in 2020?
1: Well, I think what we're going to see is we're going to certainly see... I would be shocked if we don't see him as a wide receiver one come the end of the season purely on how much i expect that offense to use him so i think we're going to see high-end numbers from them, that's a, a certainty the, the one concern and we've talked about this on a, the podcast a number of times is when a player leaves one offense and joins another sometimes there's little teething problems and sometimes there's huge teething problems and it, it doesn't always work out for that kind of marriage i guess of the the new player and the new team and things working out whether that's free agency whether that's been traded and um, that would be the one concern with hopkins i think that it's going to be pretty tempo in arizona this year i think they're going to use them a lot i think they're going to use them creatively um and i think that you know taking up at this point is perfectly fair um when we look at the the wide receivers sean you've already mentioned you know adams and thomas going in the first round second round then we start off with a little bit of a wide receiver run and hell jones godwin and hopkins and you know i i honestly if i was in this draft i'd probably be taking hopkins at that point uh, you know it's the third wide receiver off the board uh, before Tyreek Hill before Julio before Godwin so I guess in that situation I'm pretty um, high on what I expect him to do this season would you I know you picked him at that spot at 204 if you were picking at the 201 spot would you rather some of those other three that I mentioned in Godwin uh, Jones or Hill or would you have still have went Hopkins if you were picking a little bit earlier I think that Hill probably
2: is a better bet purely from a football perspective. Even though I'm a huge Chiefs fan, I tend not to own Hill that often because some of the the off-the-field stuff, both in that I try to avoid those guys a little bit, but also because I do think that that creates a little bit of uncertainty that any time something could blow up on you that would take him out for the season – Uh, purely from a fantasy scoring perspective and certainly in best ball i mean his upside is so immense in terms of what i think the chief's offense is going to do this year but then after that i think hopkins is probably the guy for me now you mentioned that switching teams can be a problem Uh, blair's had a wrong read on that the numbers do tend to go down Uh, jack miller who's had a lot of crazy good stuff in the last couple months has done an updated version of that for 2020 looking at it from a slightly different perspective certainly seeing again that yes that is an issue wide receivers changing teams you want to be very leery of that i think that this offense you mentioned the pace uh certainly kyler murray we're very excited about i think there's a high floor high ceiling sort of situation here where even if my preferred scenario where he really lights the world on fire doesn't happen i don't think with his talent in this offense that you're looking at him completely uh, just you know falling through the floor which would be the only thing that would really keep me away from drafting him at this spot kind of getting that elite wide receiver wide receiver start here then going into round three i picked aj brown we discussed some of the concerns with his consistency his ultimate upside given that titans offense which i guess i'm a little bit leery of but certainly in a best ball format where you're not going to have to be as worried that you might bench him at some point now aj brown you're probably not going to bench him if you're in the situation like we were with uh, Stefan digs after the first month last year, or you're even considering that then things have probably gone wrong for you. But I like him even more in this best ball format where I do think he's going to have some absolutely monster weeks.
1: There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BlueWire for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BlueWire. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting RotoViz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show.
2: Then going into round four, Zacherts to make sure we get that tight end. We want to have one of those top four guys. And to have this elite receiver start with the tight end there, I felt then I could really do whatever I wanted going forward. Looking at some of these picks in round four, and I picked out Throughout the draft, I picked what I consider the best pick in each round, and really, as I talk about it in the article, that just means that's the pick I was most envious of at the time, and then the most provocative pick. And that doesn't necessarily—it certainly doesn't mean bad pick. It can be an intriguing pick. It can mean one where we saw someone gamble on their guy, something that I, I like to see players do, or just a pick that maybe pointed us in a different direction in terms of roster construction for that particular owner. And so here in round 4 we have Calvin Ridley as the best pick. We mentioned him on Tuesday as one of the most undervalued players. Jonathan Taylor, fourth round. We're seeing him drop and I think Taylor could have round 1 upside. At the same time, especially in this sort of abbreviated offseason and with the depth chart that he's facing, I mean we could see some huge downside for Taylor. He might even be one of those guys who you really need to look forward to to 2021. As a provocative fourth round pick, do you like Taylor here?
1: I've, you know, uh, mentioned on the show earlier this week about Naheem Hines being one of the kind of underrated players. I think in terms of the the running backs, although in Dynasty, you know, we we really do love Taylor. I think in redraft, I think as you mentioned, it might be a season away. It might be one of those things that it breaks through for him as the season progresses, similar to what we seen with the Miles Sanders last season. Obviously, that will obviously really help <laughs> come the end of the season in your best ball leagues. But uh, I think I'd be kind of holding off a little bit. It as a, a a provocative pick at that. Point. I think when I look at round four, I just see the wide receiver talent. And obviously, some of these were off the board before the pick, but you have Calvin Ridley, Alan Robinson, you took Zach Ertz, then you have Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods after that, Terry McLaurin after that, Tyler Lockett after that. Just a a number of players that I'd be taking in that area. And Woods, McLaurin, and Lockett all went after Jonathan Taylor. So I think I would be making the wide receiver pick there um, rather than going with the running back. The next round up, Sean, in round five, uh, you know, some very interested in picks there. And Raheem Mostert is continuing to uh, move up the ranks and I know on his R- Radio um, they came out on Monday Dave Caven and Matthew Freeman talked a bit about the, the backfield of the, the 49ers a little bit of a hard area to decipher an area that I'm kind of staying away from particularly again when I mentioned the players going in that area but you mentioned the best pick being DJ Chark, Rich Rebar taking him off the board at 5.06. Uh, I, I just think the sky's the limit for Chark this uh this season I think it's gonna be a really really interesting season I think he could really just be a, a smash pick at that point um I mentioned there Mostert you actually have him in as a provocative pick I think it's a it's a tricky one. I, I don't think I could confidently pull the trigger at that point uh, myself. And then your pick was Devin Singletary, who heading into the draft, you know, was one of my biggest targets in terms of trying to trade to acquire. Um, obviously, uh, the, the situation now with Zach Moss there is his, um, you know, secondary running back and see how things shake out there. Still have confidence and in, in targeting Singletary and trying to get him on my roster. So when we look through the picks, you know, in terms of the opportunity to get, uh, taylor in the fourth round versus to get singletary and that fifth round around later i think i would be leaning like you did to get uh to get singletary if you had the option and you had the ability uh in that fourth round to, to get him or in the fifth round to get singletary which which of them would you be most actively targeting out of the singletary pick at his adp and taylor at his adp
2: I like Singletary at his ADP. Probably not a huge surprise since I picked him here. I think it would be a more <laughs> difficult question if it was Taylor versus Singletary uh, head-to-head in the fourth. I think Singletary would still be a good value there. Um, he's one of the guys that I end up with a lot because I think that he's going about a round later than you can make a good argument for. And so I deviate from the wide receiver heavy strategy to make sure i pick him up i think that we could look at him going into 2021 as being a second round draft pick and we talk a lot on the show about trying to hit people we really expect to move up two three four rounds for that pick next year mostard is one of those interesting guys and the question that i ask in the article and the question that i sort of have for you but you've you've answered it as we as we've gotten to this point <laughs> is is he really just a better version of kenyan drake but at a four round discount or is he the next sort of kyle shanahan league winner who then finds himself reburied on the depth chart and and this is a very difficult question here because certainly the upside for most what he did in terms of showing off the efficiency showing off the on-field play speed uh very very high certainly this offense is going to score a lot of points they're going to score a lot of points they're running backs at this point it's a little bit more difficult i think to be excited about a tevin coleman about a jerk mckinnon uh, some of those secondary guys in this offense now that we've seen what Mostert can do but again so much of that is just what we saw him do recently and certainly if tevin coleman had had one of those big games instead if he had hit the holes if those holes had materialized for him then you know we'd probably be talking about coleman as a third or fourth round pick simply because we've seen him do it a little bit before with shanahan in atlanta so Definitely a tricky question there. I think Mostert could be a league winner. He's not one of the guys that I'm necessarily hitting myself simply because it could go so many different directions uh, at that point. A fifth round pick, still a lofty price to pay. As we see from the sixth round, where we have all kinds of exciting players go off the board. My pick for the best pick was Marquise Brown. My pick was Debo Samuel. Uh, The provocative picks, I think, here, we get to that trio Of quarterbacks. The roster construction explorer tells us that round six is sort of the first round where a quarterback doesn't absolutely kill you, but there's still plenty of reason to continue to wait. One of the things I thought was very interesting here is that this is an expert's draft. Quarterbacks tend to fall even a lot further in the expert drafts than they do in other drafts. Now, I think that sometimes is a mistake that the high stakes owners who tend to be a little bit earlier on QBs have it right. We see that in their roster construction explorer. The high stakes owners tend to have it right. But that's why I think this was so interesting here that we saw the experts sort of move in a different direction. Uh, Saw them take Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson in this and Dak Prescott in this round six area. Are those guys that you like this early in best ball?
1: I think that's the sweet spot in round six for those three guys in particular. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't be making the move in round five and I wouldn't, uh, then when we look at some of the quarterbacks that are gone a little bit after outside of Russell Wilson, probably in the eighth round, you, you start to get into, you know, the consistency of those players. And I think when we look at Dak Prescott, uh, we look at Deshaun Watson, we look at Kyler Murray, I think we're going to see the advantage obviously of the Russian production as well, particularly in baseball. So I would be quite happy with any of those three guys in the sixth round. Personally I'd probably like to wait another couple of rounds, but you know, when you're starting to establish the the quarterback position, as you've talked about many times uh, with the roster construction explorer, I think having one of those three guys as your base foundation in that sixth round is a is a pretty smart move. You know, you're getting into that sixth round with guys like Evan Ingram, you took you took Samuel as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt, Mark Ingram, Landry Boyd, uh, aj green uh, crowder and brown so i think when you're in that range where you may have uh, a running back and three four wide receivers or your tight end there as well i think that's a, a position where those uh, quarterbacks are more valuable than the players that are kind of going in that range around them and um, when we look then sean into round seven uh rob gronkowski shows up his name again uh and this round cd carter digging him at 702 we're looking at the tight end position sigmund bloom with tyler higby um Noah Fant then so we're going heavy tight end to start this this particular round um and then your pick McCall Hardman who we've talked about on the show a number of times what's your thoughts on those particular tight ends because I know we talked um on the show earlier this week about a number of tight ends um including Higby's uh running mate and Gerald Everett. um what's your thoughts on those three guys they're three players that I think there's better values as we get further on at the tight end position later on what, what's your thoughts on those three picks uh to start the seventh round?
2: This is difficult, I think, because these are three of my favorite targets in Dynasty Leagues. I think these tight ends uh, can score some points. Certainly, Higby is maybe older than people realize. Uh, that might neutralize a little bit of the breakout enthusiasm that we had for him. But certainly, he's in a position where he could score a lot of points. Rob Gronkowski, if you're looking for that one-year bump, I think uh, in a position where he's actually going to do better than his ADP currently suggests. Fanton an interesting breakout candidate. Although you've got the very crowded depth chart there in Denver. These three guys were, as a group, the provocative choice for round seven because the roster construction explorer and what we know about the shape of tight end scoring suggests that we should either grab one of those early guys or we should wait not really to the second tier, but really to that third tier or what you might consider the bottom half of the second tier trying to make sure we are hitting wide receiver we're hitting running back in this range and so I think this is a difficult choice because I can certainly see all three of those guys being people who are league winners at the end of the season at the same time uh, history hasn't been kind to tight ends drafted in this particular range so uh, certainly some different directions those are pointing in obviously I went in the different direction of making a different kind of reach by taking McCole Hardman, a big reach by ADP. We mentioned him. I made some big claims about him on the mailbag. So if you want to hear more Hardman thoughts, make sure you go and check that out. We get into round eight here column and things flatten out a little bit more of your uh, vanilla wide receivers going round nine, People are trying to fill out maybe the positions that they really need somebody at. I picked Ronald Jones, who we're going to talk about at the end of the show. Moving then into round 10, picked Philip Lindsey. He may or may not be somebody we talked about on Tuesday in terms of one of the most undervalued players in drafts. We get into round 11 here, and we start to have people having to make some tricky choices. We have Dallas Goddard as the best pick by J.J., My pick, Matthew Stafford. This, I think, is the way to play the Lions passing game. Certainly, like him, Galladay very expensive, should have a great season. Interesting, I think, at the running back position, and then we like TJ Hawkinson. Then moving into round 12 here, we have the best pick. I have Nikhil Harry, the provocative pick, uh, Brashad Perryman, my pick. There's Zach Moss. Not necessarily looking for both parts of this backfield but I like both guys I'm taking one of the two of them in almost every draft in this particular draft both guys were so inexpensive that I thought they were the best pick sort of regardless of having both I think there's the potential here now too that if we have an injury or we if we have an emergence from Moss that one of these guys is definitely going to score enough points to make this running back position not a problem with how wide receiver heavy my draft was I want to look back at this provocative pick here. Look at the Jets. We have Brashad Perryman now on his fourth team in four years, but showing some real fireworks at the tail end of both the 2018 and the 2019 seasons. Looking at this Jets wide receiver depth chart, who do you like here? Is Brashad Perryman finally going to get to be the number one, or are we going to see a career season from Jamison Crowder, perhaps even a rookie breakout from Denzel Mims?
1: I think again we'll look at this purely for this season. Um, might take Mims a bit of time to get going but I talked before the draft I thought the Jets was a good landing spot. I think he could easily pass uh, all wide receivers on the step chart moving forward. Um, the player if I was targeting one of these wide receivers for 2020 would be Crowder over Perryman um, and then uh, I'd probably be still pushing for Mims over Perryman as well. It's just an area where I just don't think the consistency is there we've seen again a little bit like uh, you know we talked about Moser we've seen a tiny sample size over a couple of games to end the season and we're you know putting that into our expectations for this season and in this situation as well Perryman has moved to a different offense um, and and things are changing up quite a bit so he he wouldn't be somebody i'd be targeting um, at this particular point i would rather either of the other two Jets wide receivers uh do you think I'm being too harsh on Perryman at that point um is he somebody that you've been picking up or would you rather one of those other two guys as well this round now was particularly uh interesting we've mentioned Anthony Miller a couple of times in the show as well the Bears wide receiver uh interesting pick by Zacharyson just before you picked Moss and you know you mentioned Moss as well in terms of landing spot I was hoping you know Buffalo would just go with singletary but I, I didn't fully expect that to happen and moss is somebody as well who has a lot of talent and, and could have an impact on his own so i think those two guys working together could both be fantasy relevant in 2020 and if either are uh gets injured the other guys in for a, a huge opportunity so having both of those guys in the roster that was something i was going to ask you was it intentional or was it just something that happened but i think it both values um you know, locking up that Buffalo backfield, uh, smart move there. But back to the, the Jets, what's, what's your thoughts on the, the wide receivers? Am I being too harsh on Perryman?
2: I think probably. We've loved Jamison Crowder. He was one of those guys we were originally uh, really pushing as a breakout candidate after he did that and then had a down season. He was one of the guys we advertised as really hitting the bounce-back wide receiver criteria, and he did that. He's been a good value for fantasy owners through most seasons. I think the tricky part here is that uh, the expectation of what he's going to do in this offense this year has moved him up into an area of the draft where I think it's tricky. I mean, he went at the tail end of round six. If you're asking me about Crowder in round six versus Perryman in round 12, I will take Perryman, who I think has the chance to be the the big time threat they need the vertical threat they need the guy who can help lift sam darnold and this offense in 2020 i think that as you mentioned mims could have a big impact at the second half of the season certainly 2021 we like him and think that he's a good fit there i think for the jets to be what they want to be certainly what they need to be you're going to have to see Darnold finally take this big step become one of maybe not the top 10 but one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL and for him to do that I think it's going to take Perryman I like that gamble in this range
1: yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting that might be something that we keep a track of uh, as the season goes along um you know I just I just wish it was Robbie Anderson rather than Brishad Perryman (laughs) but um you know it's just um i still i still have a lot of questions around perryman um over the long term we look down sean through a couple of the other rounds now looking at round 13 we'll let the listeners then look through the last couple of rounds by themselves but this is an interesting one where jordan howard who you've mentioned on the show a couple of times and i think you mentioned it on the mailbag as well as somebody who is brutally overlooked in terms of his actual NFL production um, versus what people's expectations of him are. Uh, Scott Barrett taking him at 1301. Uh, I think both of the both of the Miami Dolphins running backs are interesting targets this year, both uh, Howard and Breda. Um I think you know there, there's opportunities there for both of them. Uh, Randall Cobb going to Sigmund Bloom at 1303, Didi Westbrook next off the board, then Alexander Madison, James Washington to Rich Rebar, and then Mike Clay taking to Sean jackson aj dylan going the way of sean siegel again you know when we're looking at zero rb candidates sean i know there'll be pieces coming out and you'll be mentioning them i think aj Dillon, from talking to you on a weekly basis is likely to be somewhere on that list and i think that makes sense with that pick uh then paris campbell jalen rieger um you know a pretty smart later round pick there 13 11 from evan silva uh, and then chris herndon coming off the board um, from pat thorman one of the kind of Later uh, tight ends that I like to target at the current moment. um Sean AJ Dillon, are you happy in that area? Is that somebody who, as I mentioned, do you think he's one of those kind of zero RB prime candidates for twenty twenty?
2: he is and i like him especially in best ball because you have that touchdown upside without having to be quite as concerned that he has the weekly receiving floor that you might need if you're going to be trying to start him all the time jamal williams eight double digit scoring games as jones understudy a year ago but the packers obviously regretted the loss of explosiveness when their starter left the field uh a Derek Cl- henry Ho- clone here he's not going to have that problem of losing the explosiveness uh, i think that he is going to have enough big games to certainly again help you fill out your running back position late the next article that i have coming out for the site is about how if wide receiver is deep then running back is bottomless now a little bit of that is tongue-in-cheek but the idea there is that we're seeing a ton of running back depth with the rookies who have come in to the nfl this season and to have dylan at 1309 i think really illustrates just how easy it is to fill up those running back spots with guys who have a ton of upside. Certainly, we hope Aaron Jones stays healthy. He's been one of our favorite players. He should be a big-time scorer again this season. You look at this, if something should happen, I mean, A.J. Dillon right away is going to be a league-winning type of player, plenty of standalone value in this range. I wanted to ask you quickly, I think it's interesting that we get Rager and Jackson within just a handful of teams of each other here, within a handful of picks. Do you prefer Rager or Djax for 2020?
1: Yeah, it's really. Cl- There's only three three picks between. Um, uh, also, just supposed to throw into this news. Um, I seen news today that uh, Alshon Jeffrey has no timetable yet for his return. So that obviously helps both of these guys. I th- I think this offense you know in terms of explosive needs at minimum one of these guys in the offense hopefully two of them um i think i would you know in terms of looking at the rookie i think i'd be taking a shot there um on him at this point a couple of just a couple of picks later but uh sean jackson as we know when he's there in best ball leagues can have a phenomenal impact but He has been consistently injured over the the last uh, couple of seasons. There has been some healthy spots here and there, but uh, that just immediately has me far concerned with him. I've been been burnt on that uh, too many times, uh, and I think I'd be waiting and going with Rager. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, Just before we jump back into seeing some of the teams that you think could go all the way and win this with the, the basketball explorer which of the two would you be uh gravitating towards
2: i like rager as well i think he's going to be sort of the rookie who has the best early chance to really break out obviously some risk but that's not a certain that's not a, a particularly early draft pick so at that range i think the risk is fine Uh D-Jack's not one of those guys who actually fits the bounce back criteria very well doesn't mean he couldn't do it right we certainly see deshaun jackson when he is on the field when he is with a quarterback who can threaten deep then you know he's a weapon who any given week could go off for 170 yards and two touchdowns that fits into a best ball lineup very very nicely it's just a matter of uh, the consistency with both the attitude the effort certainly the injuries uh Right about the time that this pick happened, the news came out. Again, I don't think necessarily a surprise, but certainly the Eagles saying they expected him to lead the team in receiving. If he does that, if he stays healthy for for the season, then he's going to be a home run in that
1: range yeah that's that's pretty fair when we look at some of the teams sean that you know you've you've highlighted the teams that might frighten you the most uh looking at where things are are running at uh, you've highlighted scott barrett's team as as one off those teams uh the other team no surprise that you've highlighted as mike beers uh, and the other team is ryan forbes um what what had the best ball explorer to, to show about these teams and no surprise looking at uh mike's range of outcomes it's uh pretty green across the board <laughs>
2: Yeah, Mike has a great lineup put together here. Uh, Starting out with Scott. Scott is the defending champion. We certainly want to give him credit for that. Uh, He did it without Christian McCaffrey last year, which uh, (laughs) obviously about two-thirds of the team did. But but if you had McCaffrey, that's a huge weapon, a 37% win rate. Scott ends up with the number one pick the year after winning. And so I think this gives him a great chance to repeat. He does have McCaffrey this season. You pull up the range of outcomes tool and you see just what a massive gap there is for McCaffrey in terms of what his range of outcomes are compared to really anybody else. Certainly if McCaffrey isn't injured, then he's going to have a high win rate again, even from the 101. Scott also used sort of a, an unusual construction that we've profiled recently in the best ball workshop. And that's the running back times three start with only four total running backs. Now we've talked a lot about having a running back heavy start uh surprisingly perhaps with how many points running backs scored 2017 2018 2019 it still has been a very poor start both from a win rate perspective and from a top 6 perspective over that time period again you just simply need the wide receivers and the firepower that they give you both for their own spots and for the flex position so badly to be competitive however if you go with only four total running backs then your win rate jumps to 9.3% Certainly, as long as you get that eight wide receivers, which Scott did, then your win rate jumps a little bit higher than that. I certainly like his chances when you consider both his star with McCaffrey and then his overall team construction, running back heavy, but then stopping. So then you mentioned Mike, Mike's win rate projected, uh, I think, even higher. You get a chance to, to see what he's done here. He incorporates the running back lesson, the QB lesson, the tight end lesson. And anyone who's not familiar with what we're talking about there, I uh, just head to the site, check out my author archive. You're going to see the best ball workshops sprinkled in throughout that. When you combine those lessons the way Mike did, then his win rate projects to be almost 16%. Now, you know, whether that holds completely to that level going forward, we might want to have a little bit of skepticism with that. But the win rate and the top six percentage, just so high. Certainly, if you're trying to uh, play in a league where you're just trying to get in the top half, then what Mike has done here is going to be very, very successful. And then I mentioned Ryan's team because uh, he's always been a very good player in this particular league i always track what he does in a draft he started with the michael thomas travis kelsey beginning which we focused on in one of the lessons the different two round starts and this two round start actually has the highest win rate over the last several years now you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be the case but when you think about what he's done with his team he's got michael thomas the nfl's best wide receiver and potentially best wide receiver right now for fantasy by a wide margin and then you have travis kelsey the nfl's best tight end and again for fantasy maybe the best tight end by a wide margin now i'm a Kittle fan there are a lot of Kittle fans out there reason to believe that he could have a big season but when you compare what the two offenses do then certainly i don't think it's that provocative a claim or that controversial to suggest that kelsey may have the higher ceiling may even by a little bit If the Chiefs offense needs to get it fired back up, certainly you look at what the Broncos have done. You look at what the Raiders have done. uh, These AFC West games may be a little bit higher scoring again, maybe more shootouts if some of the opponents actually can keep up. The Chiefs didn't really face a whole lot within their division last year. Uh, So when you look at a team that starts with Thomas and Kelsey as their foundation and has the best guys at those positions, and then Ryan does a fantastic job uh, sort of pivoting from position to position through the rest of the draft, I really like what he's done.
1: Yeah, some really interesting stuff to run through, and as we, we kind of hit most of the rounds there, Sean. We left out the last kind of five, six rounds, and uh, we left out some spots in the middle. So I would urge the listeners to go over and check that out up on the site. Uh, really fun to read through, see where uh, some some of the analysts have drafted and the teams they've ended up with. So do check that out. Sean, I know to finish up, you wanted to, to put me on the spot here a little bit to end the show. So uh, whatever you have in store for me, uh, I'll let you go ahead.
2: Yeah. So we're just going to do sort of a rapid fire, sort of our uh, old school overtime segment here, where we're going to look at these risers, the guys that I profiled in the article earlier this week, and you're just going to simply say buy, hold, or sell at their new prices. Julian Edelman, we talked about in the FFPC stat attack at the beginning, he's ridden, risen almost 13 point uh, slots in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's still sitting in that wide receiver of 35, 36 range, which uh, in some ways seems to make sense based on all the changes in uh, New England and how old he is at this point. The fact that he's not targeted deep and he doesn't run after the catch. And yet he was the wide receiver seven last year. Buy, hold, or sell at this new ADP.
1: This is a really tough one based on Tom Brady up in there. I think in redraft, uh, I would be, I'd be passing on it. Um, I actually picked him up in a trade for a third round pick uh, during the, the rookie draft this year. So, um, you know, I was just trying to push a contender over the line, but not somebody I have confidence. And I think there's a lot of what he was doing was related to Tom Brady and the option rights. And I, I don't know if we'll see the same uh, with the quarterback options that are in New England for this season.
2: Irv Smith, we discussed him on Tuesday's show as one of the most undervalued players in fantasy he's jumped from pick 150 to 140 buy holder sell
1: I would be buying Uh, I think it's a as we talked about in the show earlier in the week smart choice and I think that ADP is likely to continue to uh, move up here over the coming weeks
2: Ronald Jones he was my round nine pick in the MFL 10 of death that we just finished discussing he's now moved up from the 80 range uh, into the 70s Buy, hold, or sell with all the craziness in Buccaneer Land.
1: I definitely be holding um, at this point. Um, He's starting to get into the buy range again. Um, I think Keyshawn Vaughn has kind of the expectations and his ADP are are going a little bit uh, ahead of themselves. I think it's an interesting one. I still have hope for Ronald
2: Jones. I do as well. So hopefully uh, we will see his ADP not continue to rise so we can continue to get him at some good prices. (laughs)
1: Let's hope so. Um, Usually talking about them on the podcast and Sean giving his uh, positive thoughts them isn't a good way to help ADP decline but let's see what, what happens over the coming weeks but uh, a lot of fun today running through uh, the MFL ten, 10 of death uh, draft it's one of the first drafts we kind of run through and a whole view it gives you a good expectation of where uh, some of those ADPs are currently sitting and getting Sean's thought processes between players to pick in certain areas and in those rounds there'll be a lot more of that coming as we get ready for you know more drafts we're obviously talking a lot of baseball, and then it's going to go into redraft and it's going to continue on from there it's just gonna be a fun cycle now as we get ready for the 2020 season thanks once again to everyone who did tune in today hope you enjoyed the show if you didn't listen to the show earlier this week head on over and check that out we covered a lot of good ground on that at the uh, most underrated players heading into redraft for 2020 well worth a listen some great insights on it and until we're back with another show next week of course please do written review the podcast on your favorite podcast app my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over tomorrow and join again by sean siegel make sure you're checking out all of sean's great work up on the website and of course if you do sign up uh, go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast get yourself that 10 percent discount to rotavis nfl pass and with that all that's left to say is have a good one